love, uh, the ultimate love. I pray that that would change us. I pray that you would work this morning um, through your word, uh, through what Michael has to say. I pray that you'd open our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And you may be seated. And while you're doing so, you can be turning to Matthew chapter 6. You're going to um, go back and look at, uh, continue looking at the Lord's Prayer this morning. We had spent uh, all of March talking about that section in First Peter where he gives commands, and we're going to return now and spend um, a little time talking about prayer again this morning. Um, we have, up to this point... Um, talked about the fact that uh, when we think about um, prayer way back in in January, we talked about um, from Hebrews uh, chapter 10 that that our foundation for prayer was uh, the cross of Christ. And then we moved in uh, in February, began talking about the Lord's Prayer, and we talked about that the focus of our prayer um, really is is God and not ourselves. We looked at a couple of, of... Parables or stories that Jesus told about people feeling that they have to do something both to get men to notice them, that they have to do something to get God to notice them. And then as he was teaching them how to pray, he said, our focus really should be on on God. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And so we talked about that our focus uh, as we pray is not on ourselves. What do, I, what do I have to do to get you to see me? What do I have to do to get God to notice? We trust that, that Christ did what needed to be done for God to notice us. And so really that frees us up then to focus on God. And then we looked at those three requests that were all in one sense God-focused that talked about God really being the author of um, the story that we're in, that he's the one that's in control. Um, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. And we talked about the fact that our, our prayers are focused toward God. But that's not the only thing that our prayers are about. In fact, our prayers really can be, should be, about our needs as well. In fact, you can't read through the Bible and, and look at prayers and look at the prayers of the people that we admire and look up to and think about that their prayers aren't focused about their own needs. And so the next four requests in the Lord's Prayer deal with us and deal with things that we need. Give us. Forgive us. Do not lead us. And deliver us. Very clearly, very specifically, God is saying, and Jesus is saying, He's teaching us how to pray. You have needs, and you need to pray about those needs. We can't escape that as we look not only here, but throughout the prayers of, of the saints. But this morning, I want to focus specifically on that first one. Give us this day our daily bread. What does that mean? Give us this day our, our daily bread. You know, we, we have this struggle because, 
you, you read and, and there's this idea of is this, is this physical bread or is he talking about something that's really spiritual, that we have this need for some daily spiritual nourishment? Is it a physical need or is it a, a spiritual need? And then if it is a physical need, is he, is he really just talking about food or is Jesus talking about other physical needs that we may have? whether that's food or clothing or shelter or a job or transportation. I think the answer is yes, it is. It's all of those things. When we ask God for our daily bread, He's not only talking about physical, actual bread, but He's talking about other things as well and spiritual things. But we often, and why is it, are so quick to jump to the other things. I want to want us to think about that this morning. Could it be that Jesus also really is talking about us asking for daily bread? And I think the reason why we're so quick to jump to the other things is because when I woke up this morning, not only did I not need God to give me my food today because it was already in the pantry in the fridge, but I don't I don't need him, at least I don't think, I don't need him to give me food for tomorrow. There's enough food in the pantry and the fridge for us to eat not only today, but tomorrow and the next day. I, there may come a time, God, we, we need something today, but I'm going to the store tomorrow, so it's okay. We're not like the Israelites wandering in the desert, waiting every day for sustenance, depending upon God every day for sustenance. In other words, if God doesn't rain down this stuff that I don't know what it is, I'm not going to eat today. Most of us in this room aren't in that situation. And so it's real easy to want to, 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 want to take this prayer and go, okay, so what does that mean for me? Because it clearly, he's not talking about, that's a cultural thing for a, a society that was a subsistence culture and you got paid a day's wages and then you'd go to the store or not the store, you'd go to the market and you'd get food for that night and maybe for the next morning and then you'd need to go to work again and get paid again. Or as a farmer, you would hope that there was enough crops that you could store up and that, God, we need food today. Maybe don't let the rats get it. Don't let the enemy get it. Don't let mold get it. There's a, there's a, a need for God to provide. And if God's not actively involved, then hunger's a real, tangible thing. And most of us in this room don't have to deal with that. And so it's real quick for us to jump to, oh, this is talking about something spiritual or maybe something else, whatever my need happens to be at the moment. So what I want to do this morning is I want to back up and take a bigger picture of the way Matthew talks about bread in general and see if we can get an idea of and let some other passages inform what Jesus is saying this morning. I think that's important for us. There are ten stories or teachings in Matthew's Gospel that deal with bread. Um, we're going to look at half of those or a little over half of those. At the very end, I'll put all the scriptures up there, those ten you can look. Um, we don't have time to get to all those today. But all of them, I think, inform what Jesus is saying when he says, give us this day our daily bread. So let's begin by backing up to Matthew chapter 4, the first time bread is mentioned in Matthew's gospel. 
If you were the creator of the universe, my contention would be that your pantry would be always full. If you could make everything out of nothing, then food wouldn't be a problem for you. More specifically, not just God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but God the Son, if He's able to turn water into wine, which really just is He's able to change the chemical makeup of this liquid and make it something different, then would providing food for Himself be any different? And you read in Matthew chapter 4 that Jesus has been sent out by the Spirit into the wilderness and He has been fasting for 40 days. Either from something God told Him or something that He already knew. He knew that I'm not supposed to eat for 40 days, at least, though the text is not clear that He even knew how long that fast would last. We know... But there's no audible voice that says you're going to do this for 40 days. But at the end of 40 days, Satan shows up and says, If you're the Son of Man, tell these stones to become bread. With the assumption that Jesus, who sort of knew he was the second Moses, and Moses fasted for 40 days, okay, the fast is over, it must be okay to eat now. And again, taking those stones and making them bread wouldn't really be a problem for Jesus. But his response is very interesting. He said, Man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And we tend, again, to go, that's a physical issue versus a spiritual issue. That I don't have to have bread only. What's really important is what God provides through His Word, this spiritual nourishment, this truth. And I believe that's true, but I don't believe that's all that's going on. See, we learn in in John's Gospel that Jesus says, I only do, I only do what the Father tells me. And so when He says, man shall not live by bread alone... I'm not. I'm, I'm going to live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I'm going to depend upon God to tell me when this fast is over. Yeah, I could take these stones and make them bread, and in fact, I could make them warm, and then I could split some more stones and have some fresh milk come out. We could have. We could sit down here, Satan, and talk theology all day long over some warm bread and milk, and I could also create some honey, and we could just sit down and have a feast. It's not a problem for Jesus to do that, but he says, I'm dependent upon God's Word to tell me that it's time. Even if I'm really hungry, even if I hadn't eaten in 40 days, and even if this goes on for 40 days more, and even if I'm at the point of death, and even if I die, I'm going to live by God's Word, not by what's available. You see, all of us are going to go home. I guess most of us will go home. I don't know all of you that well. I'm going to assume there's food in your pantry or your fridge. And you can go home and eat and probably lunch and probably dinner and probably breakfast the next morning. And you may want to go to the store to get something extra, but do you have to? And I would say that Jesus' pantry is fuller than yours. And he depended upon God. 
I don't know if every day he woke up and he prayed that prayer, God, give me today my daily bread, and God said no. And my encouragement and my challenge to you is even if you've got a full pantry, is one of the things that you're praying for is that God would provide what you need today. What is God saying that you need today? Is it food or is it not food? What does it mean? And how does this passage inform us about what God's saying? Matthew chapter 7, there's another story about food. He's teaching about prayer and he's talking about God's character as a motivation to prayer. And he says... You fathers out there, if your son asks you for bread, would you give him a stone? And that's sort of funny in light of Matthew 4. When there's all these rocks around and after 40 days I'm thinking, that looks like a loaf of bread. That looks like a loaf of bread. God, can I have something to eat yet? And there's rocks. And so Jesus turns that around. I don't know if he was smiling or thinking back a few days when he said that. Fathers, if your son asks for bread... Would you give him a stone? And of course our answer is, well, no, that would be silly. Right? And the reason that would be silly is because fathers out there and mothers too, don't we delight in in giving our children what they need? Isn't that a, a joy that we're able to put food on the table? Isn't that part of what we've been called to do is provide for our family? And that same idea is true. God delights in providing for you. And do we think about that in terms of that prayer? Give us this day our daily bread, knowing, knowing that He delights in giving us what we need. Even if the pantry's full, will we begin to have the mindset of when you pray, Father, give us this day our daily bread, that He delights in giving us what we need? Also mindful that what we need, what we think we need, may not be what we actually need. I really imagine that during those 40 days, Jesus thought He needed food. And what would be, what would be, where would it be harder to fast? When, when you know there's a full pantry that you really shouldn't open, or when, when you're out in the wilderness and there's nothing, and we think, oh, it was easier for him because there wasn't anything out there anyway, but remember, he was God and there was anything he wanted at any point in time. He could have made a hot fudge Sunday if he wanted to. But he was fasting with a full pantry next to him. And God delights in us asking. Matthew chapter 12. We talked about this one last week, actually. Uh, David goes into the temple. Uh, the, the Pharisees are mad at, at Jesus for picking grain on the Sabbath. Um, the supposedly illegal activity that he was doing. 
And so he brings up the story of David doing an actual illegal activity according to the law. He went and ate the bread that he was not allowed to do, the text says. It was not lawful for him to go eat the sacred bread. And yet he did anyway. And neither in the Old Testament or the New Testament is there any condemnation over that. Which is interesting. Why not? And what we learn is, is that, that there's not because God is merciful. God is compassionate towards us. Do you ever think about, about food as God's mercy towards you? That it's not really required? As we talked about last week, for God to be good, that doesn't include the fact that you have a full stomach. Do you ever think that the food in your pantry is mercy? Because you don't, you don't have to have it. The reason God gives us something, the reason that God allowed David to do what he did, is because he's merciful. He could have, at that point in time, struck him down dead. You've done what's unlawful to do. And for some reason, he chose not to. Sometimes I read through the Old Testament, I scratch my head and go, God, what are you doing? I, you set this up as the way it's supposed to be, and then, and then you sometimes seem to let people off. Why is that? Because well, he's merciful. When we pray each day, God, give us this day our daily bread, does that remind us that God is merciful? That idea continues in Matthew 14. How would you feel if a bunch of people just showed up at your house because they thought they could get something that you had? They weren't really interested in what you had to say. They were really just interested in what you could do for them. A whole bunch of people showed up to Jesus and said, we, we want something from you. And he spent time healing and performing miracles. And then the disciples said, these guys have been here for a really long time. Why don't you send them away? They're probably hungry. And he could have done that. Every right. They weren't. How many of those 5,000 plus continued to follow him when things got tough? How many of those 5,000 plus were around at the cross? When his teachings began to change and he began requiring more and more, how many of those stuck around? The disciples got it. We don't, we, we don't have time to mess these people. Send them away, Jesus. We, we can't handle all these people. We can't feed them. And Out of compassion, the text says, out of compassion, he fed them. Are we really any better, I, I wonder, are we really any better than that crowd? You know, we, we're attracted to Jesus because he offers so much to us. And the reason that we're fed physical food is because He has compassion on us. When you ask for, God, give us this day our daily bread, will you be reminded that the reason that you can even ask that is because we serve a compassionate God, a God who is merciful toward us. See, because when you offer compassion to someone, when you offer mercy to someone, there is always the risk that they will take advantage of you. Always. 
It happened to God, right? He gave the Israelites the promised land and houses and fields and vineyards and crops. He gave them all that they needed. They didn't have to work for anything. And what do they do? Well, this is great. Forget you, God. And what did the people do here? They, they loved his teaching. They loved his miracles. They followed him as long as he was giving them what they needed, what they wanted. And when he began to raise the bar, they said, we've had enough of this. We will take advantage of your generosity and your mercy and your compassion as long as it goes well with us. But if you start asking too much, we're out of here. And I promise that is the risk that all of us take when we're willing to offer compassion and mercy to someone else. Especially in, say, the marriage relationship, husbands and wives. Husbands, when you're merciful, when you're compassionate, when you love your wife as Christ loved the church, there's a really real chance that she will take advantage of that because she's human and sinful. And wives, when you do the same thing for your husbands, when you're merciful and you're compassionate, when they act like idiots, right, and you're still, you still agree to, to love them or even submit to them, there's a real chance, in fact, it's almost guaranteed that your husband is going to take advantage of your compassion and then they'll do something stupid again, right? It plays itself out in our lives day in and day out. Parents with children, children with parents, husbands with wives, wives with husbands, neighbor to neighbor. When we show compassion and mercy and love to people and give them what they don't deserve, there's a real chance they'll take advantage of us. They did that to Jesus. In Matthew chapter 15, there are three more stories that all are interrelated that deal with bread. Uh, the first is just... Uh, an example, the Pharisees get on to the disciples for not washing their hands before they eat. It's a, a cleanliness issue, and Jesus gets on to them for caring about tradition more than compassion, more than mercy. And then it's almost, it's humorous. You read through the Gospels, it really is funny. They're mad about washing hands, and then Matthew tells these next two episodes that happen. It's almost like Jesus says, you're upset about washing hands. Wait till you see what I'm about to do. And so he travels up into Gentile territory, and there's this woman that starts following him around, a Gentile woman. My daughter's sick. My daughter's demon-possessed. Do something, do something, do something. And the disciples are, like, annoyed. Jesus, would you send her? Would you get rid of her? She is driving us up the wall. And Jesus even says, I've only come to the house of Israel. In other words, I'm not here for you, woman. In fact, he even says, it's not right to give the children's bread to dogs. He called her, he called her a dog. Compassion? I mean, today, you know, we, we, we put that up and people are going to say, Jesus isn't compassion, he's a jerk, right? Well, I think he's, he's setting up his disciples to learn a lesson because he's fixing to require a lot more of them in a moment. But she says, yeah, that's right, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And he says, your daughter's been healed. Just like that. 
We scratch our heads and go, what? See, because she understood what it, mean, what it really means to pray, give us this day our daily bread. She wasn't one of those that was following around looking for the big show. I, I, I need Jesus to perform some mass. I need him to show up. I need him to... I need the whole thing. All she needed was a crumb. Because a, a crumb from Jesus was more than enough for her. See, God gives us enough. And she knew that, that a crumb was enough because it was from Jesus. She knew that whatever I get from Him will be sufficient. And that's all I want. I don't need the whole loaf, Jesus. I'm, I'm completely sufficient, completely satisfied with a crumb from you because it's from you. I trust that you will give me all that I need, even if it appears like it won't sustain me. And so when we pray, I give us this day our daily bread. Do we have in our minds what that is? Do we have a preconceived notion of what daily bread is? And then if we get something different, we grumble and complain? Or are we like this woman who is content with a crumb because that's what Jesus was offering? Jesus wasn't offering everything to her. I've come only to the, to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not coming. That's not my purpose right here and now. It would be His purpose after Acts chapter 2. That purpose would come to fruition after Acts chapter 10 and Peter's visit to Cornelius and we'd would learn a lot more, but Jesus says, that's not my purpose. She says, that's fine. I'm content with your purpose. I just, need a, I just need a crumb. I just need a part. That'll be enough. And when we pray that prayer, God, give us this day our daily bread, are we content with what God, how God defines that? Or do we have an idea of what that looks like? I confess that I, I, I think I know what that looks like. I know what daily bread looks like for me. And I can get ir- irritable when that doesn't happen. When things are out of whack. Right? Someone ate something that I was going to have. <laughs> Some of you have big families and you may know what that's like. Right? There's not enough of that to go around. And someone says, but I wanted that. Right? Are, are we content? And kids, especially I'm talking to you, are you content to let your brother or sister have the last one, the last thing? Or is it, that's mine? I want to spend a little bit of time this morning. There'll be there's several more. There's another story in Matthew 15. There's another story in Matthew 16, and then just a moment we're going to talk about Matthew 26. But I want us to spend just a few minutes thinking about when we pray, when we think about that prayer, if we think about it at all, 
and give us this day our daily bread. What do we mean by that? I'm not saying that that doesn't mean that there's a spiritual component. I think Matthew 26 makes that abundantly clear. But do we only think about the spiritual side of that? What I want to encourage us to do as we think about prayer, do I really pray for everything ultimately is what this is about? Or are there some things that God needs to take care of and there are some things that I can take care of? Because we have a Walmart and an Ingalls, I can take care of the food business, but God's going to have to take care of some of those bigger things that I can't take care of, whatever those bigger things are in your life. Maybe it's money for college for kids. Maybe it's a vehicle or maybe it's a job or maybe it's a house, or maybe it's just it's paying for certain bills, maybe it's medical issues. Right? We depend upon God for those things because we can't fix those, but maybe we do depend upon ourselves for things that, well, I can do that. And whether that's food or rent or anything else, If you feel like I've got that part under control, my encouragement to you this week would be, would you change the way you think about prayer? And even if your pantry is full or the gas tank is full, would you begin as you pray, God, give us this day our daily bread. Would you you add that to what you pray? Would you be mindful that God provides all that we need? He knows what we need. He knows when we need it. He's compassionate and merciful because He gives us things that we don't need. Would you allow these other passages to inform what it means when we pray, God, give us this day our daily bread, even if your daily bread has already been provided?